0: As you remain standing, the book of St. Luke, chapter 10. It's where I'll take my text tonight, the book of St. Luke, chapter 10. As you were turning there, I just want to say how much uh, on this last night I have appreciated my wife and I, all of the kindnesses that have been shown us by the Arkansas district, both your youth team and your district leadership. We are honored to be here as your guest. And uh, we we so appreciate your kindnesses and feel like that friendships have been made here over the last several days that will last a lifetime. And that is the benefit of serving the Lord. Amen, amen. I do wanna say just very quickly, I have two lifelong friends. Brother Chuck and Sister Pam Hardy, who pastor in Concord, have been longtime friends of our family and it's good to see him here. And uh, when he came in, I felt I felt much better that he was in the room. Uh, in knowing that there was one man in this room that was uglier than I am. And so, you all walk by and hug his neck and bless him because poor Sister Pam's been married to that for years. And so, uh, we give them honor tonight. And I've already told a few stories on. Brother Jonathan Neely, who's here and pastors in Lepanto, I won't say any degrading remarks in front of this great congregation of people, but know that I have them in my repertoire. And uh, I do love them, love them very much. And uh, it's just good to be in Arkansas with all of you good folks uh, and in fellowship uh, with the body of Christ. Amen. Has Anthony Trimble done a fabulous job leading us into the presence of the Lord? I don't know if y'all know this or not, but that song he just sang before I preached is his. He wrote it, and uh, it's going to be on an album that's coming out soon. And so you'll want to buy that. He, he's not paying me to say this. He didn't even know I was going to, but he's going to appreciate it when the money starts rolling in from all of you good Arkansas folks. Amen. <laughs> so I do appreciate him and it's an honor to, uh, as we said in Tennessee, which I'm a Missouri boy now, but as they say in Tennessee, good music or good worship before singing is like soaking your beans before you cook them. It just tastes better. And so it prepares the way. The book of St. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 38 is where I'll begin reading. Now it came to pass as they went that he, being Jesus, entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered. Everybody say, cumbered. But Martha was cumbered. That word means distracted. Martha was distracted about much serving. Came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things but one thing is needful and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. But Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. I want to preach for just a few moments by the help of the Lord. Pardon me, Martha. I think I'll worship. Pardon me, Martha. I think I'll worship. Brother Rory Chance has been a gift from God this week to this camp. If you did not hear his message this morning, if you are a guest to this camp, you need to stop by the desk and buy it before you go home. He is very anointed and had a powerful word to this generation. This morning, you'll want to buy that CD and take it home with you. It's been an honor to be partnered with you. God bless you. Would you lift your hands all over the room and let's invite the Lord to speak to us. Praise God. Praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. Go ahead and lift your voice with your hands, would you? Hallelujah. Go ahead and lift your voice with your hands. Yeah, there's nobody like Jesus. I'm not going to preach long if you'll preach with me. But if you don't preach with me, as you have seen the last several nights, I can go a long time. Praise God, you can be seated. Jesus is in the home of a family that he is quite familiar with. In fact, it is this home that is the shelter of one Lazarus who is the friend of Jesus. In fact, the Bible, the Bible says that it is at the sarcophagus of Lazarus that Jesus begins to weep. There is a kinsmanship that is between Jesus and this family. He is quite familiar with this familial unit. It is clear that Martha has intentions of making sure that everything is perfect for the arrival of Jesus. I don't know if your family is like this. I'm going to just make a, a parenthetical statement here, a piece of advice, if you will, for every young man in this room. And that is that you never get to have your own home. You leave one woman's house and you go to another woman's house. If we were in Kansas City tonight together and we were fellowshipping early on in my marriage, I would have just invited you to come over, Brother Ison. Just come on by the house. I just assume that you are aware that we have toddlers and that there are toys in our floor, that we haven't been home for a few days, so there may be a little laundry that needs to be caught up on. I just assume that you know that. But I live with a woman who is unaware of that fact. And if you come to our house, everything has to be perfect. It was an inheritance from her mother Candles have to be burning. Coffee has to be brewing. She is going to send somebody, most likely me, by the store to pick up something because you can't come to our house without a piece of pie and a cup of coffee. Because everything has to be just perfect for someone to visit our house. I I, I grew up in... And I left home and I just assumed that if someone was coming over, it was a great time to to shove all the discarded clothes on the floor under the bed or perhaps in the closet and pry the door shut. But not so when you get into this woman's home who believes that everything has to be perfect. It was the spirit of Martha that believed that that everything had to be just right if you were going to come to the house she was distracted by the fact that there were visitors coming and the meal had to be just right and every glass had to shine and the candles had to be burning and the pie had to be uh, just in perfect condition so that when the guests arrived that they might look at her homemaking skills and say you know this lady kind of has it all together when the guests arrived Mary didn't have that spirit. Mary's feeling was that Jesus is in the house. And when Jesus is in the house, it really doesn't matter who else is pleased or how perfect the conditions are. Because when Jesus is in the house, all of our attention and all of our focus must be on the fact that we are sitting in the presence of the Lord. Ooh. I feel like preaching to somebody tonight
1: and every time we gather in an apostolic meeting, we ought to acknowledge the fact that the King of kings and the Lord of lords has walked into our midst. And whatever it is that is distracting us ought to come to a halt. Woo. knew that we need to worship the Lord when he's in the house. David kind of put it like this when he said if you need a reason to praise him, remember this he forgiveth all our iniquities. He healeth all our diseases. He ret- me from destruction. He satisfied me with good things. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. If you're looking for a reason to celebrate Jesus tonight, how about this? I was lost, but he redeemed me with the word of my testimony and the blood of the Lamb. How about the fact I was sick in my body, but he healeth all our diseases. Jesus,
0: you're looking for a reason to worship the Lord tonight I'm going to give you a few good reasons number one is worship will set you free I'm not going to be complicated tonight, but I'm going to remind us of who we are. We are a worshiping people. That when we we embarked on this journey with Jesus Christ, that we became a worshiper of God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a worshiper. Let me help somebody. Worship is not cultural, it's biblical. Brother Chance, I don't worship because I'm animated, because I'm from some demographic in the nation who tends to get excited. I don't worship because I'm Not intellectual or I'm not intelligent I don't worship because that that I just need something to get lost in for the minute because my problems are overwhelming me I worship him because he's the king of kings and the lord of lords and because he's been
1: good to me When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah! Thank God for saving me. Pardon me, Martha, but I think I'll worship just a minute.
0: There are seven words. I'm going to spare you the details because I'm not going to go long. Seven words in the Bible that define worship. Brother Dean, not one of those seven words in their original context are sitting or quiet. Are you hear me. You can praise him because the Bible said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. The only prerequisite for praise is breath. And as long as you have breath, you can praise him. But John four twenty four said God is a spirit and they that worship him must
1: worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't worship him with your mouth closed and your hands folded. So if you're sitting here tonight and you've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and you've been set free from your sins and he has healed your body, there ought to be some movement that comes into your spirit. You need to wave your hands. You need to run the aisles you need to stomp your feet pardon me Martha I think I'll worship
0: your worship your worship will set you free I'm going to throw this out there for you I'm not going to tell you where it was And I went to a camp, Brother Jerome, and I went to the corner of that camp and I put my face in the carpet and I begged God to give us back our apostolic worship. We had turned to alternative methods for trying to bring in or manufacture the presence of the Lord. We can't sing their songs, we can't do their dances, and we can't manufacture the presence of the Lord. For the nearly 3 years I went to that camp. 3 years I didn't see one young person shout the entire 3 years three years there was not a demonstrative operation of the spirit in three solid years and I said God something has to change the atmosphere or these students are going to grow up not knowing the necessity of worshiping the Lord Woo! I don't like dead church
1: I said I don't like dead church we're a an apostolic church the greatest church that God ever put together is a church that you and I belong to and we ought to be a worshiping church we ought to be a glory church we ought to be edifying the presence of the Lord that's the kind of church we are we were born that way at Pentecost and we're still living in it now
0: But I said we're not that sophisticated. No. Now we're not fools. No, we're educated. Right. We can, we can say big words. <laughs> we're fairly intellectual. But worship's not cultural. It's biblical. That's right. Worship will set you free. I said worship will set you free. Matthew 16, Bible said Paul and Silas are in prison. Now they're just not in prison. I may go longer than 25 minutes. Paul and Silas are in prison. In fact, they're on death row, if you will. They've been beaten, sitting in puddles of their own blood. If you read what's going on, they're actually being tortured because the bonds that they are bound in literally stretch their arms from their feet. They've been whipped and they're bleeding and they're being tortured. And if that's not enough, they don't do this in the outside of the prison. They do it in the innermost part of the prison where there's no light. And in the middle of darkness, in the middle of torture, in the middle of chains and bonds, Paul looks at Silas and says, we might as well sing. That's what it said. Hear me. Some of you
1: come from torture. You don't feel like there's any light in your life. You feel like the struggle is more than you can bear. You don't feel like you can even see the daylight from where you are but you ought to just look over at your neighbor and say in the middle of my darkest hour, in the middle of the torture, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the struggle, why don't we just sing a song? He set me free, he set me free, he broke the bonds. I don't know what he saying, but the Bible said it resonated with heaven and there began to be an earthquake and everyone's bands were loosed.
0: Everyone, everyone, everyone. Not just Paul and Silas,
1: not just the apostolic folks not just the ones that were that were praising him, but every prisoner that showed up that day, every drug addict in every cell, every rapist, every murderer, every sinner in that prison looked up. And as a result of two men praising God on the inside of the prison, folks were set free from bondage that had no hope again now. come out if you worship i said they'll come out if you worship that drug addict in your city you know what he needs he needs a worship in church he needs to show up on sunday morning and somebody say it may be dark it may be The drug addict in your city don't need to show up to some dead, dry, destitute church, but he needs to show up to a worshiping church.
0: I taught school. I taught school with this lady in Nashville, Tennessee. She came down to my room one day and she said, Mr. Huckabee, she said, Are you a Pentecostal? I said, I am. She said, Do you go to one of those churches where they speak in tongues? I said, I do. She said, they run around and jump up and down and run the aisle and roll in the floor. I said, yeah, on occasion we do. She said, I've even heard Hey, y'all go to one of those churches where somebody will speak in tongues on the other side of the building somebody on the other side of your church will say what that person said. I said, it does happen. She said, that's the night I want to come.
1: I said, on what night? She said, on the night y'all do all of that stuff. She said, if I wanted dead church, I'd go to my own. (laughs) You don't have to sit quiet because you have a guest in the room. They know who you are. They know what you look like. They know where you go. They know how you worship. They show up because they're looking for the presence of the Lord. I only feel in an atmosphere of worship. I'm glad to be a part of a worshiping church, an apostolic church, a church that's been bought with the blood of Jesus and set free by the power of demonstrative worship.
0: Just keep standing, give me a minute. Your worship will bring revival. You hear me, folks can get the Holy Ghost in an atmosphere like this. In fact, if you're here tonight and you've not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking with
1: other tongues, you can get it tonight all you have to do is lift your hands and begin to worship the Lord come on pardon me Martha I think I'll worship worship will bring revival to your church it'll bring revival to your youth group yeah
0: I got two more things. Had a girl, she was my secretary for 10 years. I won her to the Lord. She was in the parking lot of the high school where I worked at, Brother Chance. When I walked by to go into my classroom from parking my truck, she said, I know who you are. She said, you're the youth pastor over there at that Pentecostal church. I said, I am. She said, I've been there one time. I said, have you ever had a Bible study? She said, no. I said, would you like to have one? She said, sure. Tuesday night, she showed up to our church. Natalie and I gave her a Bible study. At the end of the Bible study, when I got to the part, about the Holy Ghost and the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2 when Peter spake at the birth of the church and says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call." When I told her that, she just looked across the table and she said, I need that, don't I? I said, you do. It just so happened that night, they had a home Bible study seminar going on in the sanctuary, we were late. We got in right at the end, but the musicians went up and got on the platform and there was a tremendous response in worship. People just started raising their hands and calling on the Lord and the Holy Ghost just moved into that auditorium. my wife, my wife looked over at me. She was my wife then. She goes, I wonder if that little girl would want to pray. I said, I don't know, but I'm about to find out. I stepped across the aisle. I took her by the hand. I led her to the altar. She lifted her hands. And the vice president of Federal Express's daughter lifted her hands and began to speak with tongues as the spirit gave the utterance. talk about a She's for Christ fundraiser. That year, that girl had been in and out of rehab three times for drug addiction. That year, her dad wrote me a $4,000 check to the youth department. And when when they put the check in my hand, I just looked back at Whitney and I said, it's a whole lot cheaper than rehab, isn't it?
1: Worship will bring revival. If you want your youth group to grow, if you want your church to grow, don't be a dead church. Let the gifts of the Spirit operate in your church. Why don't you shout a little? Why don't you dance a little? Why don't you respond to the Spirit a little and watch what the Holy Ghost will do in your assembly?
0: Hear me. Hear me. I conclude with this. She was an aged woman. Her pastor came to her house. When he came to her house, he knew that she was dying she began to describe to him all of the things that she wanted at her funeral service. They talked about the eulogy. They talked about what all was going to be said. She told him all of the finite details. She said, Pastor, when I die, I want you to put a Bible in my left hand. He said, yes, ma'am. When he turned to walk out the door, she said, one more thing, preacher. She said, when I die, you know how I told you, I wanted you to put that Bible in my left hand. Yes, ma'am. She said, I want you to put a fork in my right hand. Well, she didn't look like me, so... It puzzled him. She said, well, preacher, I guess you're wondering why the fork. He said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'll tell you why. She said, because I've never been a part of a meal at our church. That when the ladies or whomever is responsible comes by to clear away the table, and they don't say, hold on to your fork. She said, what that tells me is it doesn't matter what the experience has been like. That if I'll hold on to my fork, something better's coming.
1: <laughs> she said, so... John when they file by my casket and say what's with the fork you just tell them hold on because the best is yet to come (laughs) hear me If you need a reason to rejoice, Luke 10 20 says rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. You ought to shout because there are walls of jasper and there are gates of pearl, and there is a crystal river that flows through that city. And there is neither need of the sun nor the moon, for the Lamb which sits on the throne is the light thereof. Rejoice, I'm going to.